Hey guy, uh, welcome to the Just Interesting People podcast. Um, so today we are having a special episode because today is Rosie's birthday. So she's the guest. Um, so happy birthday, Rosie. Thank First you. <laughs> uh, well, we are not actually recording in live, obviously, so it's not actually her birthday today, but you know, we're making it up. <laughs> um, so because Rosie is on the other side of the mic today, uh, we have a special co-host for the show, uh, our friend Joanne. So Joanne is going to be with us to, yeah, to help me out with this episode and, and ask any questions she's got for Rosie. So thank you for being with us, Joanne. You're welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Um, so, well, we, we're just going to jump right in. Uh, Rosie is super nervous, so I'm, I'm going to, we, we're going to try to make her feel comfortable. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea for this episode is just to, for you guys to get to know her a little bit more. We, we do another one for me one day. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we're just going to go through her life uh, to know where she's from, what she's been through, etc. And and yeah, uh, so let's jump. You ready, Rosie? No. <laughs> <laughs> you got um, this, Rosie. We're yeah, here you for you. <laughs> um, well, we're just going to start at the beginning, you know, just tell tell the people where you're from and yeah, where you're born, etc. So, oh my God, I'm so nervous. So I apologize already for make mistakes. I say this every time anyway, but anyway, so I'm from Lancaster, which is in the north of England, where it's cold and rainy and grey all the time. Um, I... So I was born in Lancaster, but I actually grew up in a small town called Garstang. It's actually a village, I think, um, with not many people. And it was quite a closed-minded community and village. So my parents, when I was around seven or eight, we moved to Lancaster to be in a bigger city and to be surrounded by different people from different places a little bit more rather than just like village folk. <laughs> um and I went to a primary school that was actually, my parents chose for us to go to this one specifically because they had um, black children and Indian children and Sikh kids and people from different places. It wasn't just white middle-class children. Um, and that was very important for my parents to bring us up um, surrounded by different people and different cultures and try and expose us to that rather, rather than just people that are like ourselves. Um, and that's kind of the way I was brought up my whole life. We kind of traveled quite a bit and went to different places to be able to explore the world, but also see different people. And I guess that's kind of carried on through adulthood. Um, so that's a big part of who I am, I guess. Um, so thanks for my dad for that. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so we moved to Lancaster when I was, I don't know, like eight or something. Um, and then what? And then, oh, high school, I guess. High school was traumatic. So, oh, I mean, I have just so many stories I could tell you, but I don't think I should. <laughs> it was just it was just an awful high school. But then to be fair, where we were living, there wasn't much choice. There was the grammar school, which I didn't get into because I wasn't smart enough. Um, and then a couple of other schools that were like super religious or not great either. So I ended up going to Morecambe High. Um, well, it was, I mean, it was just traumatic, like, we had ceramics class, for example, and one of the lads stole a knife and stabbed someone at lunch break. Um, one wow. of my, <laughs> one of my, um, a lad in my little brother's year, um, went to jail for murder at the age of, like, 15, because he killed someone, and, like, there was food fights every day, and it was just, like, awful. I remember we used to cry on the way to school, because it was that bad, like, it was just, like, scary to be there. Um, so yeah, I think that was, I mean, even though it was awful and traumatic, I think it was kind of good because it kind of set us up for life, which is what my mum always says to us that like, it kind of made us aware of the people that are around. Like not everybody's like that, obviously, but like, I'm cautious now if there's a group of lads, I will be cautious about, oh, what are their intentions or what, you know, why are they, why are they hanging around here or what they're doing or even with girls as well. Like, you know, there's certain girls that are, well, where I'm from, there was certain girls that would kick off like start a fight for no reason and things like this why am I talking about this oh my god anyways the <laughs> high school was awful um and then just to jump in you said we a few times you got two brothers yeah I got two brothers <laughs> one older and one younger so I'm the middle child um yeah yeah and uh all right so let's let's jump into uh more like uni time now 
mm-hmm. like tell us a bit what what did you study where did you go and, and stuff like that because that, that's going to be relevant for later <laughs> okay so um after high school I went to college and rather than staying at the high school I was in because like I said it was awful I went to a college in a town um, next to us so I used to get the train every day um, and studied textiles um, art and design design technology and something else like very arty subjects and um, how did you um, pick those subjects it was just what I enjoyed um, mm-hmm. so my mum's a ceramicist and she's always taken to art galleries and being very creative so that's kind of the way I was brought up with her a lot of the time um and it's just what I was interested in honestly my mum always said to me well my parents both of them just said to me like do what makes you happy and do what you enjoy doing because then you'll find something you know your career will come from that and you'll enjoy your career rather than working a job just to get money right um so I did textiles and these things I told you um and then went to university in Manchester and studied textiles and actually, in my foundation course, I had to do one year foundation where I studied um, all different aspects of art. So like painting and drawing and textiles, photography, um, ceramics, maybe. I can't remember. Um, but I actually loved photography during this first year. But because I'd already signed up for textiles and my kind of my head was set on that, I kind of ignore the photography side of things that I enjoyed doing but when I did textiles anyway because I felt like I had to do that and like I'd already made friends in my foundation course that were doing the textiles degree and it was already a big deal that I'd got into the course providing I'd completed this course first so I did textiles um and I focused well it was hard for me because people either focused on um print or embroidery or knitting and I found it really hard because I kind of enjoyed everything so I kind of mixed the different mediums um my mind's gone blank but yeah it was mostly knitting actually in the end um and then between second and third year so it's only a three-year course between second and third year I was like I'm gonna go traveling I need to go and see the world before I finish university and then get a real job so now's the time because otherwise after third year obviously then you get a job and kind of move into real life and um oh my god I'm so nervous (sighs) deep breath um so between second and third year I'd arranged with my friend to go traveling for a year we were going to go to like Thailand and Cambodia and do all these exciting fun things so I spoke to the university and took a year off and it was only in I think October I got a part-time I'd go back home I'd got a job at TJ Maxx um just just to work just to get a bit of money before we left which fun fact is called TK Maxx in England or TJ Maxx (laughs) it's called TK Maxx but for my American friends TJ Maxx (laughs) it's a good point to make there Jeremy (laughs) (laughs) very important (laughs) um yeah and it was only once I'd told the university I wasn't going back that year that I wanted a gap year that she told me maybe October time once it was already too late to go back that she couldn't afford to go traveling so I was like okay great so I've just taken a year off uni and I've got this job at this shop which is fine but it's not what I want to be doing so it came to December and I was like do you know what fuck this I want to go traveling I'm gonna go traveling so um I basically after Christmas um looked online at programs all around the world like I think it was gapyear.com or something one of these websites and found Fiji conservation. So it was scuba diving in Fiji for 10 weeks. And I was like, that sounds like fun. So then booked it within about 10 days of having to get the flights. So I had to get all my scuba diving gear, all my vaccinations, my flights, my tickets, like everything organized within this like 10 day period just after Christmas. And it was actually, my mum was really ill that um, at that time. She just had a flu, but she was like in bed for two weeks, like knocked out. And I don't think she actually knew where I was going or what I was doing. So <laughs> I kind of went when she was in bed like one day. Anyway, that's irrelevant. Um, and went to Fiji for 10 weeks, which I think was like the start of my adventure, I'd say, of like where I am now. Um, yeah. Oh, my God, this is so nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let, let, let's dive into the, this Fiji time because I I know about it but like that was a big change you went from a a normal life in the city to living on a small island with I mean not much obviously so well yeah how was that so it was an organized program so it wasn't actually as scary as it might sound um 
but yeah I'd, I'd not I mean I'd traveled before obviously with family and friends but this was the first time I'd gone like across the world on my own to like meet this group of people that I'd hoped would be there um and my parents were actually so surprised that I managed to get there because I'm I, I don't know I'm better now but so in 2009 this was in 2010 in 2009 I went traveling with my friends around Europe and I'd call my mom she'd be like where are you now and I was like I don't know somewhere in Europe like Budapest or Prague or I don't know where we are like I just didn't have a clue because my friends had organized it. I was kind of just there for the fun mm-hmm. So I think they were like super surprised that I'd actually made it to Fiji like in one piece and I'd actually met these people I was supposed to meet and it had gone well. Um, but yeah, and Fiji when you itself, say organized program, what was that organized program that they had? So it was um, marine conservation. So we were scuba diving and analyzing the coral and the fish. Mm-hmm. That's what we were supposed to be doing. <laughs> was it? Was it not that and lots of partying? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was that. It's just... Like I kind of just thought, oh, it'd be funny with scuba diving without realizing I'd have to learn about the different fish and about the different mm. corals and I'd have to actually know things, Yeah. which I'm not the best learner. So I found it so hard. Like we did um, fish identification tests and I think I failed all of them. Did you find Nemo? Yeah, we found Nemo. Don't worry. <laughs> we found Nemo. Um, so I became coral bitch. So I was the one doing coral because that was the only thing I could recognize. <laughs> like... <laughs> And we did size estimation things. <clears throat> so you'd scuba dive and go underwater, obviously, and they'd have, what was it, like plastic bottles or something on these wires underwater. And you'd have to be a meter away and predict how big it was. And this was a test so that when you were scuba diving, you could predict how big the fish were to see if they were healthy and what age they were and things like this. Mm-hmm. I failed every single time. I think I did it like <laughs> six times and failed every time. They're like, Rosie, you're not doing the fish. <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea what the fish are. You don't know what the sizes are. Um... But no, it was amazing. So we were on this small island where there was only, um, there was a small village around the other side of the island. But where we were, we were living in huts. So it was literally straw huts that you see like on, you know, like on beaches and things. Mm -hmm. But it was literally living in that with like bunk beds. Um, We didn't have a toilet. Well, we had a toilet. It was a toilet seat on the top of the hill but there was no like flush or anything. Mm -hmm. So in order to flush the toilet, you'd have to get a bucket of water from the sea, carry it up the hill, go to the toilet and flush it. And then if sometimes it didn't flush properly, you'd have to go and get more water to flush it. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't showers. We like just showered with seawater. What else can I tell you about Fiji? There was cockroaches everywhere. And you you had like a typhoon, no? Cyclone Tom. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was towards the end. So I was there for 10 weeks. So I think this was like week eight or nine. So um, it was super weird that day. I woke up that day and I was like, today's going to be a good day. I don't know why. I just woke up like, today's going to be an amazing day. I have no idea why, but it is. And then we all got called to the breakfast bar. And um, we were told there was a cyclone coming and we had to go onto the mainland. So we all got a boat and had to go to the mainland and basically hide in a hotel for... Oh, I don't know, my memory's awful, like four days or something, basically, without being able to go outside. And then when we yeah. came outside, we'd seen the devastation of the cyclone. There was like palm trees everywhere and like houses been blown down and it was just like a mess. Um, but that was a crazy four days. <laughs> it was like, so So one of my friends that I made there, my best friend Karen, we have this funny story that we tell it like, we sort of repeat it because it's just, we just got to that stage it was crazy so we'd like I was sat watching ants eating my Kit Kat bar and then two other girls were sat watching me watching ants like that's what (laughs) we kind of got into this like this is the most random podcast I'm so bad at telling stories you're you're doing great but what would you say was your biggest lesson from Fiji oh my god um Oh, see, my brain just turned off. No, I think the thing I loved most about Fiji was going to the um, village. So we used to go every Sunday mm-hmm. to the village. So during the week, we were scuba diving. Um, Saturday nights was like our party night where we'd drink and have a party and have fun. And then Sundays, we'd go to the village. And that was really special because we'd either go to the village next, like on our island and walk around or get the boat around if the tide was high. <coughs> or we'd go to a local village. And I've got some really fond memories of that, actually, like being in their church that's made out of wood and it's like, you know, all their houses are painted different colours and the kids are running around free and there's chickens and pigs and mm. like just exactly what you'd expect from a small Fijian village. Okay. Um, so I guess like 
seeing people I think it was my first time seeing people like that that mm. didn't live the way that I lived in Europe or the, the places that I traveled to beforehand yeah. um and seeing how happy they were as well like with nothing but they were the happiest yeah. people and yeah. I found that actually whenever we've gone traveling that the people with the least things are the happiest and the most generous the simple life yeah yeah um and I've actually got a fun memory as well we went to a village one of these other villages and um the chief of the village actually sat with us which was quite a special occasion and he got pulled out a guitar and was singing Bob Marley with us we all sat around in the circle like mm. singing Bob Marley with this like chief of the village and <laughs> yeah it was amazing yeah and and, and you also like got all your scuba diving certification while you were there yeah so yeah we did scuba diving every day um i passed my rescue actually so there's um what's the first one what's the open water and there's one before there's one before that and then there's open water and then there's advanced and there's the rescue so i passed all those and swam with sharks and turtles and it was just amazing we went to this place called nomena which is like one of the best like top i don't know 10 dive sites in the world or something Mm -hmm. it was just like a film it was incredible like the amount of life that was there like all the like I love the coral so I used to go and I I took my um waterproof camera and took loads of close-up pictures of all the corals and all the colors and patterns because that was super my thing especially with textiles I was really into like all the textures and colors um more than the fish I think that was my thing but yeah it was incredible and that actually went on to inspire my um textiles degree my final year but we'll get to that <laughs> yeah and then you went to Australia right when you met a f- weird guy yeah some French guy <laughs> called Jeremy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Fiji was 10 weeks and then I went to well um a lot of the girls and boys especially the girls from Fiji we'd all made friends and went to Sydney together um and kind of partied hard for like 10 days because we'd been like stuck on an island with the same people <laughs> for 10 mm-hmm. weeks we started to go a little bit crazy so I kind of partied hard in Sydney and then I spent about two weeks in New Zealand with the same group of girls um again I didn't see any of New Zealand oh, yeah for your birthday right yeah and you had a fun birthday present oh god <laughs> well yes <laughs> we went to um yeah I went to New Zealand for two weeks but like I said I didn't see any of New Zealand because it was basically like let's go out and get drunk and then the next day get on a bus and go to the next town and go out and get drunk like it was mm-hmm. just me when I was 21 like yep. party like don't give a shit about where I am <laughs> or what I'm doing but I think I'd had 10 weeks of like cultural like travel stuff yeah, I was now just like I just need to like yeah <laughs> I just need to like let out all this energy that I've built up um but yeah my 22nd birthday I did a skydive which is if you know me I'm scared of falling like terrified and wow. I thought, like, all my friends were doing it. And I was like, do you know what? We're here on my birthday. I may as well do it. And it was, abs- like, I literally thought I was dying. Like, actually wow. thought. <laughs> like, the, you, you, she's got a recording. Uh, mm-hmm. And the video, I, I, I'll show you, Joanna, is hilarious. Like, I don't know how long is the, the thing, actually. But I've never heard this amount of fuck in a video. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> the, the video is amazing. You have never done a sky until you do a skydive. Have you ever done a skydive, Joanne? I have. I don't even know how you would come out with words because the wind is just blowing so hard. Oh, believe me, I could. I said every word under the sun. I was that just hilarious, crapping myself. Like, because you know they say. I don't know if they're the same to you, but when they said like when we were in the airplane, they were like, "Don't hold on to the railings at the top because you won't ever let go of them. Hold on to your jacket." Mm. And oh my god, when you have to like, uh, especially it was a um, a cloudy day, so my friends had all dropped off and I was the last one because it was my birthday. I think they went a little bit higher or something, so I had more of a fall. So wow. they'd all like fallen out of the airplane. I'd seen them go and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh. <laughs> and then we sat at the edge of the plane. And because it was a cloudy day, we had to wait until there was no cloud for him to be able to drop through and not go through the cloud. So he kept mm. leaning over, like over the edge and then sitting back again and then leaning over the edge. And I was, oh, it was awful. Oh my wow. God. The fall, I literally thought I was dying. I'm, wow. I'm going to try to share the, the video on the website when I release the episode. So everyone can enjoy that. Oh, <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> Do you think that it helped you get over your fear of falling though? No. No, <laughs> and then it make I mean, it worse. Yeah, because oh now I know exactly God. how it feels. It's horrendous. Oh my 
hilarious. No, it was it was exhilarating. Like afterwards, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I just mm-hmm. did that shit." Oh my god! Like random, I'm like, "I've just done a skydive." Like it was an amazing feeling afterwards. But I yeah. I did the video because I was like, "I'm never doing this again in my life." I know I'm never ever gonna do this again. So I got the video just for like comedy sake, I guess. But yeah, memory. Right. So Jeremy, next next week, um, what do you have planned? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Not I'm, a skydiving I'm, trip, I'm, right? I'm, I'm dying to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll do it. Surprise. No. <laughs> no, never again. Um, so that was New Zealand. Yeah, I didn't see much New Zealand. And then so actually the first ten days when I was in Sydney, um, I met a girl who was in the hostel with me and she'd found accommodation while I was in New Zealand. So I was like, Oh, I'll come and move in with you. Ended up moving in with her and then Jeremy was one of the roommates. Wow. So that's where he comes into the story. Um yeah, we lived together in an apartment with like three guys and four girls that kind of changed every couple of weeks because people were there just for, you know, vacations mm-hmm. and things. Um, I was there for a total of three months, I think. Um, and I was doing a fashion internship because I was still obviously doing my textiles degree. I kind of thought, well, this would be a good experience for then future, like after my degree to be able to tell people I've worked in Sydney and doing fashion design. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't all it cracked up to be. I was basically sat in an office just answering emails and doing zero design works. So I think she basically, I don't, well, I'm not going to mention her obviously, but she basically found pictures of celebrities and dresses, sent the picture to some manufacturer in China or somewhere that she knew, and then they would basically make knockoffs mm. and then they slightly, like change it slightly, but that was her design process. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I thought it was actually going to be helping like design yeah. <laughs> things. Um, but Sydney was amazing. Obviously, met Jeremy, and at the time, yeah. we both. I want to know was... more about that. So, well, so we what just was, thought... what was your first impression of Jeremy? Oh my god! Okay, so my first <laughs> impression. <laughs> so we met, and he did you do the bazoo thing? Uh, probably. I think I did the bazoo thing like the <laughs> on each cheek, oh, and I was okay. like, "Well, this is new." And he was like, <laughs> "Hello, my name is Jeremy." And I was like, uh, "What, Jeremy?" Yeah, bear in mind that that was the first time I was going abroad. So I literally spoke like barely any English. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So he introduced himself like three times. And I was like, okay, I'm Rosie. I don't know what you just said. I went into the bedroom with um, Kim, this girl. And I was like, what's his name? She was like, Jeremy. And I was like, well, why didn't he just say that? <laughs> but then, <clears throat> so we kind of spent time together as a group most of the mm-hmm. time. Well, actually, so if you want a fun story, I'm going to (laughs) put Jeremy in it here. So he met, so I met this girl, Kim, when I was in Sydney. I went to New Zealand and while I was in New Zealand, she moved into this apartment and Jeremy and Kim, whilst obviously I had never met him before, they'd kissed a couple of times on nights out. And for Jeremy, this was just him being 22, being like kissing (laughs) girls and not thinking anything of it. But for her, she thought they were in a relationship and that they were in love and that this was this like huge thing. So then I moved in and she was all like, oh yeah, so um, me and Jeremy are kind of together and like, I really like him and And I was like, okay. So straight away I was like, my blinkers were on. I was like, not even looking at him. He's my friend's boyfriend. Like didn't even consider him at all, like in Mm -hmm. that way at all. But then the more we spent time together, like as a group and then also individually, just because we happened to be together individually we obviously got to know each other more and flirted more and kind of things developed and that was a whole drama because she ended up like well she found out that we were kind of getting together but then I had to tell her and it was just all this like oh, huge drama anyway mm-hmm. um, <laughs> love triangle it seems like there <laughs> yeah but like it's funny though because especially because we like we started off that way that like I hadn't like zero intentions like zero interest because I was like this is my friend's guy like I'm not going to go there mm-hmm. but then the fact that we still ended up together like obviously it was strong enough bond and connection there that like we couldn't really not be together yeah but I think we both like we both thought it was going to be like a holiday romance like just a bit of fun and nothing yeah. really serious and then obviously it carried on and carried on and things got deeper and deeper and if you want even another funny story about it <clears throat> is that when I went to Australia, like, I just got, like, a room in an hostel for, like, a week. And while I was there, I was looking for, like, an accommodation. Um, And I actually found a place that I wanted to move into. Um, 
and I visited it and I told the guy, okay, I'll let you know by tomorrow if I take it or not, because I had a few visits planned for this day. Um, and I saw a few places. I made my mind the day after I called the guy saying, okay, I'll take it. And the guy was like, someone just took the spot 10 minutes ago. So you missed it. So I had to look for another place and that's how I ended up meeting Rosie. So for like wow. 10 minutes, we could have never met. It's pretty, wow. it's pretty funny, I think. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's amazing when things like that in life that just happen. You know? Yeah, and Mate. also like if I hadn't spoken to Kim in the hostel and like stayed in touch with yeah. her and then decided to move in with her because she was the only person I knew and like, yeah, yeah, there's so many things that had to happen for us to meet, but obviously yeah. it happened. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first date together? <laughs> I don't know, what was it? Do you remember? A rugby game. <laughs> a rugby game. <laughs> was it? I don't know. Well, the first kiss was a rugby game. Yeah, well, that's it. This is the thing, though. We never, we didn't really do, like, dating as you do these days. Like, I think it was just all different back then. I sound like such an old woman saying that. <clears throat> but you don't really go on, like, dates. It was like we'd hang out as friends. Mm. And then the first time we kissed, I went to a rugby game. And, um... Jeremy laid it on thick. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Went in for a smooch. And, do you know when like someone kisses you? You're so interested. Like my stomach hurt so bad from butterflies. I was like, oh my god, this is so painful. Just because it was so amazing. <laughs> but yeah, then we kind of carried on and like we used to go to um this chocolate shop for like chocolates. Do you remember which one was it? Like Belgium. It's the chocolate where they're like sh- shell shapes. I don't know. Oh, anyway, we'd go and eat that, and like we'd walk around the park and look at the Sydney Opera House and like did we even go in the Sydney Opera House yeah I went to see an opera like we were super oh wow touristy beautiful they're showing a picture right now yeah I'll show it somewhere perfect (laughs) um so then yeah that was Australia that was a crazy experience meeting this one like I said like we kind of at the beginning we didn't think it was gonna be anything serious and then Mm -hmm. after that like not even after that, I think things got serious while I was still there. But Jeremy was there for six months in total, so he had another three months. Mm-hmm. So I went to, after that, I went to New York for a week with my parents and my brothers. We all had like a family holiday there before mm-hmm. people started having children and marriages and all this sort of stuff. I think it was kind of like one of our last big holidays together, just the five of us. Um, and then obviously because of the time difference with France, uh, with England and Australia, I'd Skype Jeremy at like four in the morning after a night out, which was like four in the afternoon for him. So I was drunk a lot of the time <laughs> talking to him and like, it was funny trying to like keep, keep that going for three months while we're on opposite sides of the world. And then he came back in Australia, uh, he, sorry, he came back to France and I went to see him for two weeks and his parents speak zero English. Mm. And like, I turned up at the airport and I was like, oh my God, like, is this guy like, I mean, obviously I've spoken to him since, but I was like, who is this guy that I met like three months ago? Is it going to be the same person? Like, is he going to turn up at the airport? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Like, I was so scared. And then he was there like young Jeremy <laughs> with his like music blaring, driving three million miles an hour down the <laughs> highway. <laughs> God, you've changed so much. It's crazy to think about what he was like back then. Um, yeah, and I spent ten, uh, two weeks with his family. He didn't speak any English. Like, I knew, like, bonjour, ça va, c'est wow. bon, merci. So it was just... What do you think your parents' first impression of me was? Well, what, what, what's funny is that they've actually seen her before because, yeah, like, Australia is far, so, you know, like, the time difference is, is a pain he has to get in touch with people in Europe or anywhere. So mm-hmm. the best time to call them was in the middle of the night. So I was used to call them every Saturday going back from the club. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so obviously we were both drunk and <laughs> I mean, my parents were used to that. So never mind about that. <laughs> yeah, they they just found it funny. Uh, but yeah, after a while, they were like, why every time you call, there is this girl <laughs> with you every time you call. Like, is there anything going on? So I was like, yeah, you know the drunk English girl that you keep seeing in the video? She's going to be coming for two weeks when ah. I'm getting back. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I remember Skyping them, like, one night. And I had... We used to go and get kebabs every time, every Saturday night or whatever. And I remember I had, like, kebabs all saw down my face. And I was, like, shit face, like... <laughs> like the, the, the first thing Rosie learned in French was to say to my parents, I'm a little bit drunk. 
That's oh the first gosh. thing she told my parents in French. <laughs> was it that or was it... Um, because your dad taught me all the swear words. Petit peu bourré. Yeah. But your dad, his, so his dad taught me all the swear words straight away. Like we couldn't communicate apart from his dad saying, put in the mud. And I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, you, put in the mud. So I had learned all these like swear words. Like, we'd just shout at each other. And that was like our way of communicating and like, okay, we're cool. We're bonded now. We can swear at each That's other. Awesome. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, then we had um, final year of university. So I stuck with the textiles. Um, but then between... So as I was doing this last year, um, I'd go and see Jeremy in France or he'd come and see me in England and we'd meet, sometimes we met in London or in Paris and we'd kind of see each other halfway between us, um, which then influenced a lot of my work for my final year. Because initially I was going to focus on my work on the corals that I'd seen in Fiji. Just like I said, I took loads of photographs and like had loads of references and like had all this huge idea in my mind. And then when I started going to France to see Jeremy, all the beautiful like French architecture and all the like colours and the balconies and it just really inspired me again. So I ended up changing my work to more like architecture inspired um, stuff. But we yeah, went back and forth for about six months and then Jeremy came to England for six months for his internship, um, but he went to Lincoln, which... I mean, you've never heard of it. I know you haven't. I can tell by your face. No No one's heard of Lincoln. It's this small city in the north east. Um, How was that for you? Yeah, like how I was studying robotics. uh, So it was not easy to find a robotic place 10 years ago. That was not like a thing. (laughs) Okay. So I didn't have that much choice. Um, Like I wanted a place north of England, like not too far. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, like as soon as someone said yes, I was like, okay, I'm coming. And yeah, that was, I mean, yeah, it was nothing <laughs> there. Absolutely nothing. In the middle of nowhere, nothing to do, old town. I, I mean, yeah. How far no, were you guys apart from each other? Like, well, so distance-wise, not that far. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a motorway between us. So I'd drive to see him, but it would take me like four Highway. hours. Huh? Highway. Highway, sorry, I take the highway, <laughs> not motorway. Sorry about me English. No, I'm not sorry about me English. Fuck it, motorway. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't actually that far, but because it wasn't a motorway, I had to drive like four hours to go and see him. And then also he was there from like March until August. So over summer when the other people, his other roommates had already moved out because they had finished their course for, un- for summer. So I ended up actually pretty much moving in with him. I packed up my like knitting machine and all my work and basically would go there on like a Friday and stay until like Wednesday and then maybe on a Thursday I had to see the teacher again and then I'd like drive four hours to go back to Manchester have a meeting and then go back and see him again because I spent like all my time going back and forth between seeing him and then August is when he finished and then we moved to Paris for a year which was the absolute dream wow yeah I was so lucky because Obviously, Jeremy, we had like a normal like adult job and I didn't speak French, so couldn't particularly find a job. I ended up getting like um, a teaching English to kids job, just like mm. basically pick them up from school, um, make them dinner, get them to bed, things like that, a couple of nights a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but only speak to them in English, obviously, because I couldn't speak French anyway, even if I wanted to. Um, I did that. I did a little bit of like telemarketing stuff, like little jobs here and there. But I spent a lot of my time. So we lived like in the, I was going to say banyo. What's banyo in English? Like suburb? Yeah, suburbs. <laughs> That's the French <laughs> word. Um, we lived in like the suburbs of Paris. So we kind of like, we couldn't just pop outside and go to the Eiffel Tower. I had to get the train there. But I spent a lot of time like getting the train into Paris and just walking the streets because you can see the whole of Paris in one day if you want to walk around. And it was just like amazing. I just loved it so much. And also because I was under the age of 26, I think it is, mm. you can get into all the cultural things for free. Um, if you're European, I think it's only for European, right? Yeah. Um, so things like the art galleries, um, exhibitions, like all the kind of, oh, it's just amazing. Like I'd go and sit and watch, um, sit and look at this Monet piece for like hours. Like I'd sit in there and just look for hours at it. It was just amazing. Um, so that was Paris. What else can we say about Paris? You, I didn't learn any French. You, well, you, well. I did a French course. Yeah, you, you paid a lot money. of money to, <laughs> to go to a French school, but... <laughs> yeah, no, French is hard. I, I think I got, like, the basics. 
Um, and then we moved to the south of France because Jeremy was like, I'm sick of fucking Paris. It's cold and I hate Parisians. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we moved to the south of France <clears throat> and uh, went to a place called X. It's like an hour away from Marseille, which is the big town at city in the south of France, um, which was, again, beautiful. It's like typical south of France, like beautiful weather, beautiful buildings, beautiful food. Everything's just beautiful, like beautiful countryside and that was amazing. Made a couple of good friends there as well that we're still in touch with now. So whenever we go back to France, we see like our French friends and also found some English friends there as well. So it's nice to go and see them. Um, oh yeah, but so, so when I was a student, I worked in Subway just to earn some extra money and to feel like I was a big girl, like got a job. Um, and then so when I went to France, obviously nothing had happened in Paris. I did some English jobs, but nothing particularly good and then south of france joan was like okay you need to get a job because we need to pay the more like no, not even the mortgage by then we need to pay the bills like because i don't think and french. yeah and learn french as well obviously so i was like okay well the only thing i know how to do that i can do here possibly is work in subway so i worked in subway for three like subway sandwiches years yes yeah. <laughs> yes but like for my interview i couldn't like literally my french was pretty much zero and in my interview, they had to like keep talking to me in English to like help me mm. understand what they were saying to me. And I remember the first day of the job, like there was this guy luckily there who spoke English. And so the manager would talk to me. I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. And then she'd walk off and I'd be like, what did she say? And like, they'd say like, he'd have to like translate it for me, but I was so desperate to keep this job. So I was like, this is the only job I'm ever going to get in France. I need to just put up with it and learn as much yeah. as I could. So it was through Subway. I mean, as much as I hated it, it was through that that taught me like the basic English of like uh, French, sorry, of like conversational, like asking questions, mm. like, um, yeah, just the ba- obviously specific words. Like if you talk, talk to me about something like super specific, like space, I wouldn't know what you were talking about. But like general conversation is where I kind of, I learned all that in Subway. So I'm grateful for it, but it was traumatic. Um, like fun fact. Uh, right now, when she's stressed, she dreams about walking in subway. Oh my god! That's that's how bad it is. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's my like stress indicator. If I wake up thinking I dreamt of subway, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm stressed in life. What am I stressed mm. about? So, mm. um, but yeah, so I worked there for three years, um, and we moved apartments in that time, um, and actually bought an apartment in a place called Tretz, which is even smaller than X. It's about half an hour away from. X and probably about an hour away from Marseille um bought our first place together this is a little apartment we've still got Aww. it and we're renting out at the moment um but that was nice wasn't it? that was exciting for us yeah like that, that there was a time we uh where like we yeah we bought the place and we got married after but like yeah we were like settling down mm-hmm. like, we were like all right we like this place I've got a good job like let's let's stop here and 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 build the family here and buy a place and and everything that was that was a plan back then that was in 20 yeah so we signed everything in 2013 and we actually moved into the apartment in 2014 and you got married after that in 2015 so jeremy can tell his fun proposal story This is a classic. <laughs> one minute, one minute. You know, most people, when they're going to get engaged, so my friend Sarah and Clement, he had the ring for about a year and he kept going to ask the question, but he wasn't quite perfect and he wanted the perfect proposal. So I think mm. he waited about a year until he had this perfect, like, I think it was like sunset and the beach and they were alone and it was this magical moment. That's what most people do, right? They spend time thinking about it and making it this, like, dream thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the contrast, which is Jeremy. So... <laughs> I'll let him tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <that's>, uh, <laughs> pressure's on, Jeremy. <laughs> like Rosie has always been like, my dream is to get married. Like, when are you gonna propose me? And I was like, I want to get married, but I'm I'm just not ready yet. So the day I'll be ready, I'll let you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't. I mean, I I don't know when is go- when that's gonna come up. You know, um, <clears throat> and. Uh, and yeah, and actually, like two weeks before pro- proposing her, I still had no idea because I okay. talked to some friends about it, and I was like, "No, not yet. It's just not the time." And one day, I wake up. I woke up, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna propose to her." Okay, and I think that was like a Monday, and on the Friday, 
we were going to Paris to see Beyonce and Jay-Z on the tour of the lead, like together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, she lost Paris. She lost Beyonce. I've got to propose in Paris <laughs> in five days. How am I going to do that? I was working full time. I didn't have a chance to buy a ring, to go to a shop, nothing. I was like, all right, let's go to Paris. I'm going to have to find the ring somehow and make it happen. So we flew to Paris on a Friday. Uh, on the Saturday, we we were just walking around. I think the, like the, the, the concert was one evening on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, let's go to the shopping center. And I was like, why? And he's like, I just want to have a look around. And I was like, yeah. So Paris yeah, basically the in the afternoon, I was like, yeah, like it'd be nice to go to this place because I was just bullshitting. I was like, there's, there's a place there that, They've got this shop and they don't have it in, in the south of France. And I want to get you something for Christmas. That was in September. I was all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to get you something. It'll be quick. Uh, all right. Eventually, she said yes. So we, we, we went to this big mall and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be gone for 15 minutes. And yeah, I just run around trying to find a place like jewelry place. And I found one and I was like, I want a ring. I want to propose my like girlfriend at the point uh do you have a ring i know what she wants because i knew like she told me a million times like she wanted a how do you call it like a well just a diamond on a ring like yeah like something so i know what she wanted so like i need that uh no idea how much i'm gonna cost or anything <laughs> uh it was like, okay you got this one this one this one. Oh shit that's expensive uh, okay well, i'll get <laughs> that one um that's the only thing i can afford because <laughs> i didn't save for one year for it so <laughs> Um, okay, what size do you need? I have no idea. Just give me this one. I'll do. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so I literally grabbed the ring, put it in my pocket, went back to Rosie. Okay, done. Um, we can go. And I had nothing. What, what did you buy? I was like, nothing. So I didn't find it. Okay. Uh, so we went to the stadium, the Stade de France uh, for Beyonce. <laughs> and what was funny is that uh, like, it didn't cross my mind to propose in the stadium because like, if I lose the ring, I'm fucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what was funny is that she was singing uh, Single Ladies. Oh, and oh. during the whole song, she was like, hey, oh, blah, blah, blah. She was looking at me. And I was thinking, like, if you knew that I had a ring in my pocket, like, you idiot. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> That's a really great part of the story. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we spent the evening. It was fun. And the day after, we just walk around in Paris and I, I knew that like her favorite place in Paris was uh, the Sacré Coeur which is this big white church on the top of the hill where you can see like the whole Paris and I was like all right like I've got to get there and I'll make it happen so yeah we went there and then I found like a quiet street at one point somewhere and I was like so you know I've always told you that one day I'll wake up ready and I'll know it's time. Well, this is it. <laughs> and well, I well, I'm the ready. Ring. I don't even know if you said, will you marry me? I think you just said, well, I'm ready. And then pulled but the ring out. You started crying yeah. like straight away. So like you were like, <laughs> I don't even know if you said yes or anything. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if you asked the question. I don't know if I said yes. It was just like crying my eyes. I was like, <laughs> are you doing? Yeah. Are you serious? Are you serious? Yeah, it was just like, a, let's fucking do this. I was already ready for it. Like I was already wanting to get engaged before that. So well, yeah. Big question though. Maybe. Did the ring fit? No, no, I, no, 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 no <laughs> not, not even the small thing, the small finger. No yeah, way. I couldn't even have my little yeah, finger. I think, I think it was like right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. no, yeah. So I had to, yeah, go back and then we had this wonderful wedding in the south of France in this like 600-year-old building that was like surrounded by vineyards and all of our friends and family there. And it was quite a small wedding, actually, wasn't it? Like 80, 80 people. Which, bearing in mind, most of that was Jeremy's French friends and family, and probably about 20 people were from my side. <laughs> so I've got quite a small like family anyway, and like friends unit. Um, but we had a wonderful day, and then the year after that, we went on our honeymoon and went to Indonesia, which was like our, okay, this is going to be like the travel of a lifetime. So we spent three weeks in Indonesia, and it was absolutely incredible. Like We swam with manta rays. We mm. saw orangutans in the wild in Borneo. We climbed two volcanoes in two days in the middle of the night. Wow. We went to like the biggest Buddhist temple, I think, in the world. And like, it was just the most incredible three weeks together. Mm. Um, 
yeah I think we could do a podcast just talking about that in like in itself because <laughs> yeah. it was amazing um so that was like our big adventure together um and then I guess after that I think even when we were away we were like okay let's start to think about having children in the next couple of months or whatever mm. um and then I do you want to talk any more about the no, that's fine. no okay I'm all right to move on <laughs> um so then in the August I actually had a miscarriage at five weeks um and then um got pregnant again pretty quickly in the November and because I'd had the miscarriage before that we were very careful in the next in the first three months not to get excited not really to think about it not to tell anyone yeah. not to just kind of pretend it wasn't there um no don't get emotional Rosie <laughs> um and then actually we spent Christmas with my family that week that um that year and my mum was like we're gonna make sushi and I was like great I can't mm. eat that but I didn't mm-hmm. want to tell anyone and was like so I told my parents I was pregnant and my two brothers were there with their wives I didn't tell them but like they kept I think they knew because they were like Rosie do you want some cider and I was like no thank you why don't mm. you want cider Rosie I just don't fancy the cider like I think they knew but I just didn't want to clarify anything yeah Rosie saying no to sushi and alcohol at the time was Mm. suspicious <laughs> I mean yeah it was never gonna happen otherwise um and in January we had the first scan and everything was fine so that's when we started like thinking oh okay I'm actually pregnant let's start to get excited about this and tell people and like start to embrace it a little bit more um and then it was we had like a couple of scans like we do normally and it was when we we're 22 weeks in April that we found fa- we had a scan and found out there was problems with the baby um I don't know we're gonna I think we're gonna do a podcast about this as well like actually talking about it together and actually what had happened and like the whole process because it was a whole thing basically found out that he had some like rare genetic disorder that we both carry and he had it as well so he had things like six fingers on each hand and like small bones and loads of other like deformities with his face and his body and everything Mm. Um, and heart problems and lung problems and we were basically told that we should have an abortion um they said to us like ultimately it is your choice but the quality of life this baby's going to have is not going to be well I think even because it's so rare they don't even have enough cases to be able to tell you the statistics on things they said that most of the time the baby doesn't even make it to full term and then even if they do they're still born and then even if they survive that which is like by now like 25% of the babies they die in infancy in the first couple of days and then if they survive that they'd need like heart surgery and lung surgery and all these different surgeries that they'd probably die from that afterwards and it was just like it's not worth the pain of the baby to put them through that to be selfish for us to because that like I struggled with it because I wanted to see him alive that was my main thing just to see him alive oh (laughs) but that would have been like super selfish of me to do that crying on my second podcast yes (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'll sweep, we'll go with this one. Um, so ended up having an abortion at 26 weeks and three days, which was horrendous because I had yeah. to actually give birth to him. So that was in May. Yeah, May 2017. And what what's strange about it, like the, the whole thing, like with our story, like when I think about it, like when you think about it, like we met, If it seems like we were supposed to meet, you know, like I told you, like plenty of things happened that yeah. <laughs> made us get together. And actually, like this disease that the baby had, uh, it's super rare. Like it's and only you like both a few... had it or have no, it. So, yeah. so we both carry a gene, uh-huh. and put together, it's creating the disease. Wow. Uh, and usually, when you have this disease, is when you have uh, a child in the same family when you're related. Mm. They actually thought that we were related. Like, it's so unusual. There are only like wow. a few hundred cases in the world. Like it's it's actually like fucked up. Like we have more chance to win the lottery than to have that. Like literally. Wow. Um, like it's really prevalent in the Amish community where there's a lot of inbreeding. So mm. they said to us like, Are "You guys related?" I was like, "No, I'm from England. He's from France. We met in Australia. Like we are not. Yeah. <laughs> like not even from the same place. Like not even from the same country." Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, and and so at at, at this time, um, we my company well the company i was working but i'm still working for them in france um we were talking about uh they were talking about opening like uh, an agency in the us in miami um the opportunity was there but it wasn't sure and everything uh and when that 
happen i i obviously didn't work for like a few months and everything and, and to, to look after rosie um and uh and and yeah and it was like we we've got like an exit door like you know we we got a way to escape all that we we, we can start over and and mm. actually escape this environment and 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 you know i get away from all this thing and, and try to recover so that's that's when miami came into the picture but then to be honest so i obviously had the abortion and then i think i had like I had maternity leave and then I had holidays that I could take and then I was basically off from May until we left in December because I quit my job and I was like I can't go back to working so I started working in a shop selling lavender things I'd quit Subway and I was like I can't be in a shop where there's like pregnant people coming in or people with babies I couldn't see anything I was just so angry at the world and mm. everyone in it and um I was actually pretty depressed as well for a little while which was hard for Jeremy I think as well it's hard for both of us but I feel more sorry for Jeremy having to put up with me during that time because I was just kind of in my head and didn't give a shit about anything and he still had to like look after himself and look after me and work and earn money and like keep everyone afloat kind of thing um so yeah that was like that's our big story I guess that's our big like that's our thing but we'll obviously talk about that more in more detail in the podcast um so yeah, like it got to the point though in November even. So we moved to Miami in December. And in November, anytime I stepped in the front door of our apartment, I just broke down crying. So I was like, this mm. just reminds me of everything I don't want to be reminded of. Like all the things we'd had planned and like the baby that we'd lost and like all these things that we'd thought were going to happen that couldn't happen anymore. Yeah. And I got to the point where I was like, Jeremy, we just need to move anywhere. And he was like, we can't, we're going to Miami in a month. And I was like, I don't give a shit. We need to move to Italy now. Like I can't be here. I can't be here. And I think even if Miami hadn't have happened, I think honestly we would have moved before that because we were waiting out for Miami in December. Jeremy was like, there's no point spending like $2,000 a year or whatever to go to Italy for two weeks or three weeks mm. just to then go to Miami. And I was like, I don't care. I need to be out of here. So I think even if Miami hadn't have happened, we would have moved somewhere anyway because I was desperate to just go anywhere. Like it, I really didn't care where it was. And then we came to Miami and that was like my new lease of life is where I kind of... <laughs> came back to me again oh getting emotional <laughs> yeah so yeah we we moved to miami like a week before christmas in in 2017 we literally like planned the whole trip in three weeks like i oh. I, I i told my my manager like, okay we, we we need to go um it's now or never otherwise i quit and, and we're gone uh so yeah we booked the fly we packed everything we sell we sold everything we had in your apartment uh we found someone to rent it because <laughs> it was like okay oh, we, we mm-hmm. need to take care of that before leaving and and yeah we just packed everything away a week before christmas which wasn't easy to leave our families a week before christmas or like why don't you just wait a week and we're like we we've waited too long like it's, yeah. we need to get out I couldn't even that was too long like even from November even until December I was like I can't do it I can't do it like I can't live here this long like it was just already too long so Mm -hmm. the first chance we had to leave we were like right we're out of here sorry guys and then we had such a nice Christmas didn't we I think if we'd have stayed in France or England I think it would have been just too emotional and too like upsetting but we had such a nice time and it was so nice to be have this like new life and this new opportunity and this new like start I guess like a new you know a new chapter in your life and you can just start again and be whoever you want to be no one knows about what's happened that's the things I thought I felt a lot of our friends and family knew obviously about the situation and I felt a lot of pity and a lot of like oh I'm so sorry for you and like I think people treat us differently even if they didn't mean to and I know it was just out of a like a a nice place like it was a place of love like they felt sorry for us but at the same time I hated the pity I hated that people felt sent like they can't say certain things around us or they had to treat us a certain way because of this happened and I just hated the fact that like it changed things Mm. whereas then coming here no one knew anything and we could be whoever we wanted to be like obviously we're still us but I mean you didn't have to you didn't have that like oh you know poor you this shit thing happened like Mm -hmm. no I'm Rosie I'm from England like you know what else you need to know that's kind of so I think that was amazing for us to move here it was really like changed us well especially Jeremy we all know how much Jeremy's changed in 10 years but like it's yeah it's just been incredible for us to move here yeah and and fun fact is that when my 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 bosses told me like we want you to come to Miami uh 
do you want to come? I was like, when are we going? Like, I'm packing my bags <laughs> right now. Like, let's go. <laughs> and I told Rosie, and she was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to like Miami. Like, I've, I've <laughs> never been there. I don't know if this, this is going to be nice, you know. It's like, mm, I don't know. And now no, look at her. Okay, but you <laughs> Miami see, girl. But no, okay, but if you see Miami on films in particular, it's guns and cocaine and girls in bikinis with their huge tits out and like muscle men who are like gonna beat you up and like it's just this whole thing that it isn't and then I was just like oh my god so in August we were like okay we'll come for a week and see and we got here and I was like oh my god I'm in love and all I saw was like the tourist (laughs) yeah all I saw was like the tourist things as well like the you know Windward and South Beach and things but even that I was like yes love Mm -hmm. it and actually um so while we were here for this week Jeremy was working in the office that they'd already had in in Miami and I basically had the week to figure out where we wanted to live when we came and moved here in December and then um, I spent one day cycling from the very very south of South Point all the way up to Bal Harbour I remember driving through Surfside thinking oh Surfside's really nice I like it up here this could be a nice place and then now we actually live here so it's crazy <laughs> that like way back then when we first like had that bike ride I thought it was a really nice area because it's away from all the tourists, but it's still like on the beach and it's still mm-hmm. Miami without being like the central hub of Miami. So yeah, yeah. it's fun that we live here now. So wait, then, when you when you got your first place, where was it? It wasn't in Surfside? No, it was in Miami Beach, but North Beach. Okay. Like 70... 85th. 85th. Well, we spent actually a couple of weeks in hotels and Airbnbs and that was mm-hmm. absolute fortune until we found somewhere that like we could stay a bit more long term and then since then it's just been amazing up 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 yeah so we've like I spent the first year here doing photography so I'd started photography in France a little bit like I'd done a couple of jobs here and there um Mm -hmm. but it kind of wasn't really the place for it I, I don't think I don't know Americans are different for things like that like they really appreciate photography and they would pay for it whereas I think in France it's only really for weddings that you'd pay for Mm. a photographer um so I spent the first year doing anything and everything like bachelorette parties weddings proposals um couples families babies everything Mm -hmm. um and then last year kind of fell into dog photography randomly. So now I'm a dog photographer. <laughs> <laughs> and then this year, of well, before the coronavirus, I started doing yoga photography as well because I kind of missed photographing people and being outdoors. Because I think I like about photography is that you can be creative and like go to different areas and get different compositions and angles and colors and yeah. like textures and all that kind of thing. And, you know, work it into a piece of art, I guess. Whereas the dog photography that I've been doing, it's fun and it's mm-hmm. cute cuddling, lovely doggies, but it's always on just a white background and it's not particularly like exciting. So I started doing yoga photography this year, which I'm hoping after the coronavirus, I can pick back up again and move that forwards. Um, so there's my life in a nutshell. No, and I would like you to dive into like one last thing is how you went from like you, you didn't go into much detail about it, but how did you go from like the not super clever girl when you are like a teenager that I don't like school, I'm 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 never gonna do anything. Like you never had a dream to have a career, you've never been job driven, like and stuff like that. And and now pretty much all you think about twenty four seven is what could I create, what business could I create and all this stuff. Like how <laughs> What happened here? (laughs) I honestly don't know. I think the thing is, I don't like, I honestly don't think school is for everyone. And I think people learn in different ways. And the way that I learn is not the way that they teach, honestly. Mm. So I, like I said, went to a shite high school anyway that was awful. Um, So my mum basically had to teach me things outside of school because she was a teacher as well. Um, and teach me a lot of things that I could pass my tests and even then I didn't do particularly well. Um, I don't know, I think, I never really considered self, like being self-employed or having your own business as like a thing that I would do. I never really thought I was clever enough for it. And I kind of thought you had to be like, I I really don't know. I don't know what switched. I think I was just like, like in my family, I'm the stupid one. I'm like the stupid blonde girl that doesn't know shit about anything. Fine, I'm quite happy with that, it's fine. Like, I don't know any, like, general knowledge things. I don't know who the prime minister is. I don't know who 
was whatever in this year and you know I'm not good at history like when was the war and things like this that people tend to know and that's what people equate intelligence to Mm. I'm not good at any of that what I am good at is what I'm good at and that's like I think it's taken me a while to kind of think well I'm not good at typical like (sighs) intelligence things but I'm good at what I am good at so I think it's just I don't know what has changed I don't know I guess I just kind of thought you know I think honestly I think something that changed a lot with me and Jeremy after the abortion was life's fucking short. Shit yeah. happens. You need to really do what you want to do when you want to do it because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that was especially for Jeremy. It changed him way more than it did me. Um, but I think that was a lot of it. it was like, if you want to do it, why not? And I think also the fact that when we came to Miami, Jeremy's, so in France, Jeremy's salary couldn't pay for the mortgage and the bills and the food and everything else. So I had to, like, I had no choice. I had to work. Obviously, like, people have to work. It's fine. But then moving here, he negotiated that we could have a decent salary so that I didn't have to work. Because I was like, yeah. I don't want to work in fucking Subway in Austria, in um, America yeah. and like do a bullshit job again. I want to do something I actually enjoy. And it was nice that he was paid enough to be able to do that so that I had the freedom then to do what I wanted. And it was then that I was like, okay, what do I actually want to do? What do I enjoy doing? Well, photography has always been my passion. I did it all like throughout university, even like in Fiji, I said I photographed everything all the time. Like I just loved it, but I never thought, I always thought photography would be like weddings and I didn't particularly want to do weddings. And then, I don't know, I guess like moving here, I kind of had the freedom to do what I wanted to do and actually spend time on it and energy and like not have it as a side hustle, like once, you know, a couple of hours here and there, it was something I could actually spend time on and do something that I wanted to do. So I've kind of, driven my career in the way that I want it to like I was doing anything and everything and then suddenly the dog thing and then I go full force with that and it's amazing that I've had the freedom to be able to do that and then now with the yoga thing that might take over the dog thing like it's so good that I have the opportunity and the freedom to be able to do exactly what I want to do but in terms of what changed I I guess like a few things accumulated together kind of made me more ballsy and made me more like why not you may as well try it and do it and see what happens and if it fails it fails if it succeeds it succeeds it's not a big deal like yeah yeah was that a good enough answer i don't know if it was yeah it's not right or wrong (laughs) yeah not right or wrong um no and also like i I know like one of the few things you told me before is that you've never thought about having a career because Mm. you've always seen yourself as a mum and all you wanted in life was to be uh, home stay mom are you saying yeah yeah stay home so mom. you've never ever considered that as an option because that was supposed to be the job of your life like and I think the way like so the way that my parents worked and the way that I thought I wanted to be as well was that my dad went out to work and earned the money and did the like serious job and my mom stayed at home and was the main caregiver she had jobs here and there but it was mostly being our parent like our mother to look after us and because I thought that worked so well with our family, that's kind of what I thought life should be, I guess. So I was just thought, I'm just going to be a mother. Like, I'll do jobs if I need to. Like I said, like I worked in Subway, I worked in this job and that job. But it was never really like, what's my career path? What's my ambition in life? Like, my ambition in life was to be a mother. Like, that's what I want to do. That's what I seem like. It's like, that's like my goal in life is to be a mother. So anything else is kind of just a bit there like it's not a big deal to me like what my job is like I'll do anything just to make money like I'm quite happy to work in a cafe work in a restaurant work in a shop like do the shitty jobs I'm quite happy to do that because well I was quite happy to do this because I didn't see I don't know I didn't see any other way really I kind of thought I'd just be a mum and be a stay-at-home mum and that'd be what I'd be and do and I think obviously since that's obviously quite hard for us I've been up given this opportunity now to think actually if that isn't going to happen or not now at least or whatever is happening what would I enjoy doing rather than doing jobs just for the sake of it just to earn money what do I actually want to spend my time and energy doing and then it's you know giving me the freedom to do this so thanks Jeremy for getting a good job in Miami because it's been amazing (laughs) (laughs) well it's not me you need to think but (laughs) yeah um yeah cool um well so we are back in today now yeah turning 32 I mean, actually in a week, but let's pretend this today <laughs> <laughs> for the listener. Uh, yeah. Let's what's your what's biggest the... goal for this year? Oh, my biggest goal for this year is to go and see my grandma in September for her 90th birthday. Because <laughs> I'm scared now with the coronavirus, we won't be able to go. I don't know how long it's going to last. 
but that's my big goal is to go and see my grandma for her 90th um yeah I don't know I don't know who knows what the yeah, thing it's, is, it's so hard to tell right now yeah <laughs> well but even without the coronavirus I mean if you just said to me five years ago where are you going to be in five years I would never have said Miami Beach is a dog photographer do you know what I mean like <laughs> mm-hmm. never in a million years would I have said that so what's for the future I have zero like literally no idea we don't even know how long we can stay in Miami I think this year can we stay next year I don't know so then what do we do next year I don't know I don't know where we're going to be I don't know what we're going to be doing so long as I'm with this guy I'm quite happy Hmm. (laughs) that's cute (laughs) that is so cute (laughs) Um, cool well um, I don't have any more questions really Uh, do you have any questions Joanne anything you want to dive in I think I've asked it all and really gotten like enjoyed to get to know you um, so much more thank you for opening up and sharing all of that amazing you know, information and stories. I can't wait to hear more when you guys get deeper into certain things in your life. Yeah. Um, it's just been awesome. So well, thank you for doing it for us. Thank you for being here and asking the questions and things. It's been nice. Of course. And it's- guys, so before we actually started recording the, the, the episode, Rosie was like, I'm not even interesting. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. So <laughs> can you guys let us know if that was interesting enough or if she's just boring? Uh, like she (laughs) thinks she is the thing is I'm so bad at telling stories I I tell like the most insignificant part of the story rather than like the interesting part (laughs) Jeremy can back me up on this like I'll start a story and then he'll be like Rosie just it's not even interesting (laughs) so that's why I was so worried because I'm the worst storyteller and I think as well that I think when it's your life you don't think it's that exciting or interesting because it's just the way that your life is but then I guess if I was listening to this from somebody else, I might find it more interesting. I don't know. For me, it's just me. Like, it's just normal. But I guess that's the same for everybody. It's just them. And that's what makes us interesting, though, is we're all different. And we all have these different stories that, yeah, inspire each other, I guess. For sure. Nobody has the same story to tell. So Yeah. 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 Well, thank you both so much for interviewing me. No, it wasn't as bad as I you. thought it would be. <laughs> no, I mean, it's already it's already past an hour, and yeah, you had plenty to talk about, and I feel yeah. like you could actually talk more. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we'll be doing more together. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. We'll, we 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 have a few things we need to we want to talk to, mm-hmm. don't talk about. So, yeah, we'll we'll do that later. Uh, well, thank you, Rosie. You're welcome. Uh, how is it to be on the other side of the mic? Oh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you uh, very much for that. Uh, Joanne, thank you again uh, thank you. for helping me with that. Uh, you will be on the other side of the mic at one point as well. <laughs> we oh, need great. To that. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear your story. Yeah. Then I'll feel like Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> at least you know how it works now. Less pressure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, yeah, uh, that, that's it really. Uh, once again, happy... 32nd birthday um and uh yeah that that's all i've got really so uh thank you guys for listening um if you liked it please leave us some comments to tell us how rosie's life is according to your standard if it's interesting (laughs) enough or not (laughs) and uh yeah we'll see you in the next episode leave us a review uh share this podcast with everyone and, and and yeah that's super helpful thank you guys and we'll see you next wednesday Thank you so much. Bye.